This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me in 30-degree Baton Rouge is Shay Dixon. Shay, how are you doing today? Uh, good. I've got my uh, homeowner duties handled, got my pipes covered. Uh, outside faucets, I should say. Um, mm-hmm. so good to go. Oh, at least it's not raining. Were you here for the ice storm? Was that this no. fall or was that that was I, I don't think that it was in the last real bad? It had to real been bad last year. Well, last year I was in Texas when like all the power went out in the state and it was like tw- and it was like 10 degrees and people were freezing everywhere. Yeah, that was yeah, not this, fun. this would have been this would have been like last February. So yeah, you weren't here yet. But yeah. bad ice storm in, in Baton Rouge, South Louisiana wrecked everybody. So this shouldn't be that bad. It's just gonna be cold for a couple of days. But luckily yeah. no rain. Yeah, I, I don't handle the cold very well, but that's all right. Um we're in basketball season, but we always uh, want to bring y'all a weekly football podcast as well. Um, talking about the latest in recruiting, transfer portal. Once we get into spring football, we'll obviously be talking about that as well. But, Shay, it's been another eventful week. Uh, the staff has continued to uh, keep up the momentum that it picked up I mean, last week. And I think we can start out, before we get into all the transfer portal additions and the signing day stuff, we can talk about the guys that came back because we we knew that Miles Brennan coming back was a big deal. And then we were like, okay – Ty Davis Price goes to the NFL, makes sense. Damone Clark goes to the NFL, makes sense. Some other guys make sense. Um, Cordell Fly as well. But Micah Baskerville, Ollie Gay, and Jay Ward all return. And how important do you think that is? Uh, I mean, what what went into the decision for them? And just how important do you think that is for, for this defense? Huge. I mean, I think that all of them probably had different reasons for returning, whether – you know, they didn't all have like matching draft stock or anything. And really all three of them you would have thought needed to come back for another year if they really wanted to up their stock in a big way. I mean, we saw what Damone Clark was able to do in a single season this past year. We don't obviously know yet where he's going to be drafted, but he went from a guy that a lot of people didn't even think should be starting to a Butkus Ward finalist. So uh, no doubt uh, those three guys are going to benefit from being back. They'll obviously have a new coaching staff, so we see how that sort of sparks their maybe not development, but how they look or even develop into that final season, presumably, uh, for all three guys. I'll say this, and maybe it speaks to the importance of those three pieces, is I could probably make the case, like if you were to say pick one of those three that's the most important one to get back, I could make a good case for all three of them, like uh, that each of them were the most important piece. Uh, Gay had a great 2020 season right when he got here. Obviously got banged up a lot, you know, this past fall and, and didn't get to play a full season, uh, was knocked out. But uh, Baskerville, given they have basically no proven linebackers and he's played for a long time uh, at the spot. And then Ward, really, I mean, they have no cornerbacks. If you want to move Jay Ward back to corner where he started his career, you could. Um, and he's certainly the leader of the safety room and, and the veteran there. So I like all three of them coming back. I think it was all the right choice for them. I think it helps LSU in a big way. And 
I think we'll look next year. If those three guys stay healthy, that's three of the better players on your defense. So you'll look yeah. back at that Monday or Tuesday of this week when they announced they were coming back as a really maybe big turning point for the defense because uh, I think those three guys are, are such critical pieces that, I mean, you're getting someone back now at every level of your defense that's got real experience that could have tested NFL waters. Yeah, I, I wrote a brief story on uh, on it when Baskerville and Ward initially returned. This was before uh, Ali Gay returned, like the next morning, I think it was. But Ward, especially in the back end, the versatility that he has, like you said, started his career playing corner. I mean, he might be better at corner than he is at safety, and I thought he was good at safety this past year. Um, so he can play either position wherever uh, they need him uh, in the back end. And that's big for a team that, like you said, doesn't have corners at this moment. And I think they'll continue to add corners, obviously. But if a guy doesn't work out there or if a guy doesn't work out at safety, if they want to start him over like major burns or something like that, you have competition now in different areas. And before Ward returned, I was looking at the depth chart like you're going to have to bring in a lot of transfers to stir up the back end because without him, you not you like we assume Greg Brooks can fill the nickel and maybe say Ryan can fill a nickel spot. Um, but outside of say Ryan and Greg Brooks, you don't have any versatility in guys that can kind of move around. So Ward's a big piece in that. And then Baskerville, if if you know anything about the, the depth chart and just what the linebacker situation is, we've talked about it before getting him back is getting just a pillar back in your defense. It's like it helps hold up everything that this defense wants to do, I think, moving forward. And he saw what Damone Clark did, and I think even though it's going to be a different defense, still he's going to he's going to have a lot of pressure on him, Michael Basketball. And you don't have to turn to a transfer or you don't have to turn to a freshman or, or a younger player to fill that hole that Damone Clark um, had last year. So those two are huge. And Ali Gay, even not for nothing, the defensive end spot, I don't have the depth chart up. Um, I know yeah, you've referenced it before. Um, I have it on my computer, but the defensive end spot is something that could use depth as well. So, and Ali Gay is not just a depth piece, obviously. He is a guy that's going to come in and be a starter. He's going to be a great player. So, like you said, could be three of the best defensive players on next year's team. And that is a huge step, not only in that respect, but also not having to start younger players and transfers. It's not going to be a completely new defense at this point. Right. I think you look too, and Matt House is the defensive coordinator of LSU hired that Brian Kelly hired. He's still with the Chiefs through the playoffs. I guess I don't, depending on when you listen to this, the Chiefs are going to play this weekend. The more, you know, they keep winning, he stays there. Whenever they lose, he'll make his way to Baton Rouge. But we'll see, I guess, this spring when we hear from him and Kelly or, or even in the fall what their defense is, right? And the players will talk about it, of what the, you know, what the schemes are, what sort of the, the base set might be. But either way, and we're talking about that DN spot, Take out Ali Gay when we were sitting there waiting for him to come back or not. Here's your other DNs. We're presuming Sony Fanua, who played a good bit on the back end, a senior, will use that extra year and come back. But then it's Xavier Carter, Jarrell Cherry, Savion Jones, Desmond Little, Quincy Wiggins, or I should say Philip Webb, then Quincy Wiggins, who they just signed. Wiggins is a big-time prospect. Savion yeah. Jones is a big-time prospect a year ago. But we've never seen – like some of those guys have been in the program for a couple of years. We've never seen them really play – any real extended action. I know they were having to kick Mason Smith outside at times yep. uh, this past year. Well, you know, he's got some position versatility on the D line, but when you've got BJ Ojolari on one side and then you had all those guys kind of in this mix for being able to play the other side, you said, Oh, well, teams can kind of hone in on BJ. Well, 
that won't be the case when you've got Ali Gay out there. Those are two guys on the end who are proven, who are experienced, who are now older in the program. I think that then allows all these guys, right, like Wiggins and um, Savion Jones and whomever else, Desmond Little, Carter, Cherry, all these guys continue to get room what maybe to, to develop or maybe don't have to carry a, a big workload during the game and can out there, you know, can give you some rotational reps. But I thought that one was huge. Like when I'm looking at a D-line that includes Gay, Ojolari on the ends, and then pick your poison at DT. Like they have like six guys who are certainly good and can play. Uh, we'll talk about another addition in a minute that they had. But I, I feel you feel really good about the starters, right? And, and in the middle, you've got some depth. But boy, that the decision for Gay to come back, I thought was really a big one for the defensive line. Yeah. Um, we can move on to, uh, you kind of just hinted at it, but uh, some of the new transfers coming in uh, since our last podcast. Uh, we can start with Makai Wingo, defensive lineman from Missouri. Um, I guess I'll shamelessly plug our site while, while I'm doing this, but uh, continuing to kind of do some analysis pieces on players. Uh, did Kyron Lacey, the wide receiver from ULL today, so I have a good idea of what he brings to the table. I'm really excited about him. Um, I'll get to Wingo, Frazier, Shorts, and uh, West Weeks uh, this this week uh, as well. So, but looking at Wingo specifically, do do you expect him to be interior or on the outside, or how how do you feel like that's going to go for him? I mean, I would expect he's going to again. We'll see what the defensive, whether it's yes. four down linemen or three, but I would imagine he'd be an inside guy and. And really, when you look at, and he talked about this, I talked to him this week for an interview, and he said, look, uh, he thought he had a solid year. He got named freshman All-SEC. Um, but again, you know, sometimes not a ton of freshman interior guys are playing, and he certainly was one of the better ones that actually was. But he said, look, I've got a lot of room for growth, but he thinks being in a room with, who, I'm looking at the depth chart, Joe Evans has talked about coming back. He's an older guy, but Jaqueline Roy, Mason Smith has played on the inside, Guillory. You've got young guys like Bryce Langston. They signed Taiji Hill. Now you throw Wingo into that mix, and you feel like you've probably got a pretty good rotation. Like if if they're, let's say, got four down linemen and are playing a couple of tackles, rotating Wingo in with Roy and Smith, if you want, and Guillory and, and Joe Evans, if that's the spot you've got him at, I think gives them some enough guys, enough bodies to keep everybody fresh and not, not really ever have some like huge drop off and and we've seen look Roy's turned a corner at times Mason Smith looked awesome as a freshman uh certainly Wingo's coming with some credentials uh, and it came across to me just from talking to him you can tell um high character kid kind of guy you want in your D-line room kind of guy you want in your program but I think he's driven like he tasted a little bit of success not wins loss I mean I think Missouri was probably like 600 you know 500 last year I think they might have been like six or yeah. seven but they made a bowl game six and six I believe yeah. Right. So about like LSU, but in terms of individual accolades, you know, he garnered some. So I think now he's seeing this as a chance to, Hey, how can I continue to rise my game, but also be on a team that's going to be really competitive. And I'll be in a room with a lot of guys who will have a chance to play on Sundays. And uh, it seemed like that was going to really be something that he focused on kind of allowing him to push himself more. He, he, he thought moving from the Missouri D line room to the LSU D line room for him was one of those things where it was like, all right, I'm, I'm stepping it up, you know, competition-wise. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to raise my level of, of play and my focus and how much I prepare. And, and I, think that, uh, I think that competition will be good at that D-tackle spot. They've got a lot of young, good guys who seem to have that same sort of mentality. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tremont Shorts uh, is interior offensive lineman. I'll, I'll let you add on to, to that. But uh, West Weeks, 
uh, at linebacker, I think it's all another big addition. I, I need to get into his film and get into to what he brings a little bit more. But if nothing else, just from a depth perspective, bringing him in, you know, behind presumably, let's say, Penn Baskerville starters, uh, Jones, uh, Mike Jones behind them, and then you go, you know, to guys that are kind of unproven, like we've talked about with defensive end before Ali Gay came back. You had Josh White, uh, Antoine Sanfa, uh, Demario Tolan, obviously freshman, he comes in. So Wes Weeks is a guy who I could see coming in here and if nothing else, being a really valuable depth piece for them to where if a guy goes down, Wes Weeks has experience, Virginia, plug him in and you kind of go from there. So we'll, we'll see what kind of skill sets he brings. But between those two, I, I feel good about um, their potential. Yeah, and I'm curious if they do add another linebacker or want to. I'd, mm-hmm. I'll I'll be the first to admit I didn't I don't know a ton about West Weeks and he was just yeah. a freshman this past year. I didn't watch a ton of her Virginia football, but um, it, like you I, said, I did you- I did watch a lot of Virginia football, but not because of their defense. <laughs> so um, there you go. But we'll we'll get an analysis piece on on him coming soon. But yeah, it gives you it gives you a depth piece, and and obviously you brought Mike Jones along. He talked a lot about kind of just getting settled from being almost like a nickel to being a true backer and. Um, I think that he'll be better in year two or his year two at LSU and, and a guy like Weeks can, and if anything, it allows you to bring on Josh White or, or Tolan or guys like that, Sampa, you know, guys that we haven't seen that have been in the program for a couple of years, do they start to get, you know, some run and, and Weeks also be in that mix. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. I won't be, I wouldn't be shocked if they added another linebacker just because beyond Baskerville, you've got nobody I guess you could say Mike Jones has experience, but yeah. nobody with a ton of experience. And I guess another thing will be if Jared Small returns. I mean, there was talk in the spring that Jared Small was like going to be a starter and Baskerville and Clark were there. So uh, he got injured towards ACL, was out for the entire season. Uh, former walk-on out of Catholic High. Does he come back for another year? I guess we'll see this spring if he's out there, but uh, he could be a veteran piece for you. Um, but again, I, I guess I don't know a ton – West Weeks will probably be one of the evals I look forward to watching, and you have often have clips in there and reading about the most because I probably know nothing about him. Didn't yeah. didn't know who he was as a recruit, nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, let Let's move on. Let's but, get. To- yeah. No. I I will say though on shorts, I would, and I'm saying this because I know that a lot of interior guys are going to get this look. They need a center, and they don't have anyone on the roster who's like been snapping forever and is just like ready to take the reins uh from what liam shanahan harvard transfer who actually used that COVID year and got to stay another year uh for the 2021 season so now you've had your time to figure out a center but you also haven't had anybody out there actually snapping i'm looking at depth chart it would be like charles turner's played some in practice there uh they signed chemo macaniole and said that he could potentially be a center but i think they're going to let a handful of these guys snap, you know, snap football this spring and say, all right, who could be a fit there for us? And then from there, go all in on that guy as a center and just have him working nonstop at the quarterback or, or taking snaps or learning the position. And uh, I definitely think Schwartz is an interior guy uh, and what he's played. I think he's, I think it's like five seasons. I think he's registered and using a COVID year. Um, Could he be a guy that comes in and learns to snap and plays that one year at center and, and gives him some NFL versatility. I'm not sure, but uh, I would put him into that mix. They're going to have to figure out with some of these kind of natural guards which one of them can play center. Well, on on a team where they have a bunch of new coaches, Brad Davis is the one holdover. So if nothing else, he knows kind of what he has, and he knows what he's recruited to this point. So that's at least a little comforting moving forward here is he knows what 
he should be looking for move forward. Whether it pans out or not, as far as who he thinks should play, we'll see. But Shaman Schwartz will be in that mix at center. All right, let's let's move on to um, signing days in like a couple weeks, Shay. And uh, we we we've been talking about the portal for so long that you know we kind of forget about some of the high school prospects out there. Obviously, we never forget about you know Trevante Citizen and Jacoby Matthews and whatnot. But you know what what has it been looking like for coaches on the road? Uh, how have they been approaching it? And just what have you what have you heard so far? Yeah, so they all went out on the road this week and. The dead period is obviously ended, so you can go to high schools. They were at basketball games, track practices, uh, dropping by schools, going on in-home visits, you know, with uh, sitting down with parents at the house or uh, whatever it might be. So um, we kind of got – that's kind of the first time we've seen the whole staff together, like all these new assistants go out on the road. And obviously, you're going to have guys like Frank Wilson, and now they've added Cortez Hankin and uh, Hankton and Joe Sloan's on the staff, a lot of Louisiana guys. And – then we saw Sloan go national and recruit some quarterbacks. We saw Brian Poley and the recruiting coordinator sort of go all over the country touching on guys. They were um, doing some 2023 recruiting, which would be next year's class, kind of getting their foot in the door as a new staff with those guys. But coming up, I did an article for the site the other day. So let's see. Coming up on signing day, which is in the first Wednesday in February, so less than two weeks away, I've got seven, let's see, seven guys, yeah seven high schoolers that I would say have offers from LSU right now and are still being recruited. And mm-hmm. in Louisiana, you've got one of the biggest names and we'll put kind of both of them right there together, a safety in Jacoby Matthews, the running back in Trevante citizen. We've talked about safety being the need. Obviously Jacoby's one of the three best players in the state. If you're looking at the rankings and they've already signed Walker Howard and Will Campbell and gotten them to, uh, to campus. So Matthews will be a big one. He visits Florida this weekend, LSU next weekend, which will be the final weekend before signing day. I actually, even with all the coaching changes, I really like now where LSU sits with them. I know Frank Wilson's been going hard, um, spending a lot of time in Ponchatoula as much as he can, obviously. Uh, recruiting Matthews, I think things are trending in LSU's direction there. Citizen is one that I think is probably too early to call. He's on an official visit this weekend, and we're talking about a top 10 running back nationally. They didn't sign one yet, so... Um, or at least a high school player yet. They got Noah Kane out of the transfer portal from Penn State. Um, But he's in town this weekend. He'll spend the weekend with his mom and uh, around the LSU staff, and it'll be his first chance to really kind of have a lot of one-on-one time with them. And he and Kevin Falk were very close, so I think that LSU's having to make up some ground there. Um, Next weekend, he'll be at Miami. He's going on a midweek visit to Florida. He just got back from Auburn, who a lot of people think is maybe the leader. So even though he's a Lake Charles guy, looking a lot at out-of-state teams, uh, I'll give you a new name that we haven't talked about on the podcast yet. Wide receiver Caleb Douglas out of Hightower in Missouri City. Um, kind of, uh, I guess you could say, late bloomer out of the Lone Star State. He had played some quarterback as a junior and prior to that. And then last year, Hightower had a run of receivers go down and he had to move out to receiver. And then this year, he just blew up and he got all sorts of offers over the past month, LSU included. He'll now be at LSU next weekend with Jacoby Matthews at last weekend before signing day. And it seems to me, not visiting anywhere this weekend, that LSU's trending in the right direction there. And, and you're sort of now seeing them really rebuild that receiver room, whether it was adding Kyron Lacey, you talked about him out of uh, UL as a transfer, or adding a guy like Caleb Douglas if he commits and gets on board and you sign Landon Ibietta, uh, and you've gotten Dre Jenkins to come back and you knew you had that core group of a freshman, uh, and then obviously a guy named Keishon Butte. So 
it seems like the receiver spot is going well. I won't list all these guys. I won't kind of kill all your time here. But <laughs> Danny Lewis is one to watch. I think they need a tight end. If I'm, we'll talk about this in the final segment. If I'm like looking at kind of spots they still need to find people at, tight end is one. And he had a really good senior year at Westgate. Bama just offered him like this week. So he's at Bama on a visit this weekend. Florida next weekend. And obviously he's got connections to Billy Napier and, and a lot of Louisiana coaches on that staff. Uh, and then it looks like LSU midweek next week. So you'd ideally like to have him in on a weekend visit. It seems like he's trying to fit a lot into sort of a small window here. So LSU's going to have to squeeze into the midweek visit. But he'll be one we're watching on signing day. We're still kind of keeping an eye on Harold Perkins. I know he's committed to A&M, but he's a linebacker that uh, is obviously a pretty big name. So they've got a handful of guys. They've got eight spots left, though. So even if they clean sweep all these guys, seven guys they've offered, which they're not going to do, I'd expect them to get, you know, maybe three guys or four at the most, something like that. You still got a handful of other spots. So we had this written down. I guess it's a good segue to have here, 13 days out from signing day, and then knowing that the portal's still active. Essentially, the depth chart. If you're looking at the depth chart and you just know what you know about the team, and I'm giving you eight more spots to fill. And obviously, a few of these guys are high school guys. So, like, you're, there are positions specific, like a, a running back in Citizen, Matthews is a safety, a receiver yeah. in Douglas. But kind of toss all that aside. What What is, like, no doubt to you, number one, number two on the list of, cool, they've added 11 transfer guys. And they got all these guys to come back. But they still got to have this. And you mean in terms of transfer portal or both? I think both. Just at all, I guess, is my question is, if if you know what they've got now after this wave of double-digit transfer additions and the NFL draft deadline passed, kind of after all that, if you're resetting it, what are you saying now is still a position of, like, need for you? Number one for me is corner, I still think. I think cornerback is just pivotal at this point. It, it, I mean, if you just name the corners on the roster, not including nickel, which Greg Brooks and uh, Jordan Allen is kind of like a safety nickel hybrid. I like him a lot uh, out of high school. But Demarius McGee, Ray Darius Jones, Makai Gardner, LaTerrence Welsh. LaTerrence Welsh is obviously a freshman. So four guys for two positions. And it's two, not just two positions, but it's two positions where LSU has dominated in years past, right? We've seen them recruit at a high level in those at uh, those two spots. So... I think corner is, is a huge spot to start with, and I wouldn't be surprised if you they bring in several more names here over the coming weeks. Yeah, I mean, think about corner, too. In spring ball, you don't have Jordan Allen, you don't, you know, and you yep. described him correctly, I think, as a nickel kind of safety, but even LaTerrence Welsh doesn't get here until the summer. Had they not signed Makai Garner, you know, earlier this week, I guess, is when it became official, you'd only have two scholarship cornerbacks to get through all, like, all of spring practice. Like you don't even have enough yeah. players to go out there and fill a starting lineup. You know, it, you're throwing somebody else in the nickel from the safety spot. So um, signing Greg Brooks was big. I think he can help fill that void, um, you know, void at nickel. He'll be there uh, this spring and is already on campus. But yeah, I, I think that I know a Louisiana native, um, I keep botching his name, but he's the Oklahoma State. He started like 47 yeah. games in a row. Um, his name. But yeah, he's an evangel product. He was actually on the team with Baskerville back in the day. I saw Baskerville was tweeting about uh, him going into the portal this week, but that's still a guy that gives you a year, right? And I think that they are yeah. still wanting guys who have multiple years left to play. And obviously, if you're a high school signing, you've got that. But in the transfer portal, can you find any guys that still have multiple years that can help you this year, that can give you depth, whatever it might be? And I think at this point, it's just 
about I know I know this is what the you know LSU's approach is right now because it's the only way to do it. Every day you just kind of see who's gone into the portal today. Is it a cornerback? Is it somebody that we can use? Let's look at his film because you and we've gone into seasons last year. They had Stingley and Ricks, and you're like, okay, I feel good about corner, but you know, and you can move Flot to nickel, and now you can move Jay Ward to safety, and you're ready to go. Yeah, and you've got Dwight, and that'll allow him time to develop. Well, now you see how that happens. Like, you see how quickly things can unravel for you, whether it is getting hurt or, you know, shutting things down or just not playing well or whatever it might be. Yeah. Like, I'm with you. Corner's number one. I know, like, tight end isn't the sexiest position to sit here and talk about, but Brian Kelly uses tight ends a lot. Denbrock uses tight ends. And Cole Taylor, who essentially got benched for Jack Mashburn this year, Really got benched for Jack Besh first, and when they yeah, were trying to run the ball say. a lot, then he got benched for Mashburn when they decided that they needed to commit to the run, but had to use an extra blocker like a tight end to do it. And he's your only scholarship tight end you've got coming back. I know that they just signed Mason Taylor, but you know he's coming straight out of high school. You can't really expect him to go out there and, and never mess up and be perfect and and get the job done. You want he's a tight end. You want him to get bigger. You want him to get stronger. You want him to get adjusted to the college game. So they've got to find a way to still add a tight end. And especially if you're, if like Besh's career path, and I think it should be as receiver, and you're not trying to continue to just, you know, put makeup over your tight end issues and just say, okay, he's a tight end and he'll go down there, but, and he'll block because he'll actually try and he's willing to do it, but he needs to be catching the football. He needs to be running routes. He needs to be a receiver beyond Cole Taylor and Mason Taylor. You've got to have something else. So I've, it's not as important as corner, but I think it's up there in importance just because of the sheer reality that they just don't have anybody. And yeah. and that's what happens when Eric Gilbert leaves the team and you sign Jalen Sheed and he leaves a day after he gets to campus this past summer. And then Jake Johnson obviously kind of flips on you in the 11th hour when Max hits the transfer portal. You kind of thought you had set yourself up well with a couple number one tight end prospects across like three cycles. And None of them are here, and Johnson will never even have stepped foot on campus. So it's a worry spot for me. I don't, I'm not sure if they can yeah. address it super quickly, but, um, I, you know, I just think that it's one of those things where they're just going to have to recruit solid at the high school level and try to add a couple of guys, but really cross your fingers that a guy goes into the portal that you like and that you can get. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what tight end and corner, I think, highlight this more than anything. But I, I think this team has will have enough talent to be good. Like, I think there will be enough talent on this team to win eight games this year, or seven, seven to eight games. Like, if, if everything goes right, obviously, right? If, if there's not a ton of injuries and not whatever else happens, if things go right, this team will have a talent of a seven, eight win team. But at the same time, it's going to be a lot of patchwork still. It's going to be, a, there's going to be duct tape on this thing, getting it together. Like, having one-year players here, having a one-year player there, um, having a transfer portal guy with two years there, and then that's when obviously the recruiting picks up because the whole thing about having a new head coach was, and this has been this way forever before the transfer portal was your first class is going to set you back. Right. And so that's where in three years you're looking like, Oh, why hasn't this guy won yet? Well, his first class wasn't good. And then his second and third classes were good, but they're young. So that's where the transfer portal has helped coaches kind of amend that quickly. And so that's what you hope brian kelly can do um this coming year i i think from a talent perspective they're going to be okay but it's going to like i said it's going to feel like it's going to duct tape together like in two years you know going into the 2023 season it might 
you're going to lose a good amount of guys, but that's what the, then you start getting your recruits in there and you start building from there. So um, that that's the, my whole approach to this is just get through the season, duct tape this thing together with, I mean, and it's not to say duct tape with bad players like Greg Brooks, Makai Gardner, uh, all these dudes are good players. That's just kind of the approach f- uh, for me. Well, that it is what it is. It's, when you have 39 scholarship players at your bowl game, yes. you're going to have to figure out some way to fix your roster in the short term. And is the transfer portal the way LSU is doing it right now a long-term solution? No, it's a short-term kind of fix. And I think duct tape's a fine word to say because it's true. And when I look right now at – like let's say LSU is not in this conversation at all. All right, let's say this is Florida State or someone else. And I'm pulling up the 24-7 sports transfer portal rankings – and there's LSU sitting at number one, taking double-digit players out of the transfer portal and out there openly still offering guys and saying we're still taking more transfers. I would look at them and say, hmm, they had a losing season, they have a whole new coaching staff, and they're leading the way in transfer portal, guys. My guess is that roster didn't look too great. So the reality is, is yeah, it's patched, it's duct taped, and like you said, these guys are quality players, but – it's moves you're having to make to even put together a roster. You're about to go through spring, like I said, with like two or three scholarship cornerbacks. I mean, it's just not ideal. It's a reason why I'm a little bit hesitant to say, oh, yeah, like LSU is going to be competing to win double-digit games next year and all this. Like, yeah. you need to just find ways to improve. You need to find ways to stabilize yourself so that you can start to say, okay, we're going to – build things back up. We're going to have guys buying into the program. We're going to understand then how long you're staying on campus and we can have a better feel for how to manage this roster. I think before you can even manage a roster though, you had to have one. And I think that's why they're so heavy in the portal. They're trying to put together a roster that they can ultimately manage. Stabilize is a great word for this because if there's one thing the past two years has not been is stable. So the, the stabilization of this is is going to be real interesting, and that's what's most important for this year. But talent perspective, I think they're going to be fine. Defensive line especially. Um, well, I can't evaluate the offensive line yet. I don't know. Obviously, this is all spring football talk whenever we get to that point. But um, I'm, I'm still excited, and I'm very excited for who they're going to continue to bring in because, like you said, they still have plenty of spots to fill moving forward. So we will continue to stay busy. All right. Anything else we missed well, before we wrap? Well, let's get out here before we get out. Yeah, before we get out of here, let's. Tell, and I'll ask you this because I've been answering on the board a lot, and everybody knows where I stand on this. I'm kind of a Miles Brennan stand almost, but um, there's Caleb Williams talk this week. It doesn't seem to me from talking to anybody that LSU's even recruiting Caleb Williams. I imagine he's going out west, and whether that's Lincoln Riley or shock the world and pick UCLA, I have no idea. But I don't expect it to be LSU, but. We see kids enter the portal all the time, and people will, you know, LSU fans will run to social media or the board or ask on the radio, you know, Jackson Dart's in the portal from USC at quarterback. Oh, look, JT Daniels at Georgia's in the portal at quarterback, and all these guys. So, look, throw Caleb Williams out there. I don't think they're recruiting him. But as all these guys go in, does anybody ever turn your head, or if you're this coaching staff, are you completely okay with Brennan Nussmeyer in his year two and then Howard? I'm okay with it this year. Um, it does concern me that I – and correct me if I'm wrong, but Walker Howard's not going to – he's recovering from an injury, correct? Or he had an – yeah, he got injured and played through it. I would think he's going to be okay for spring ball, though. Okay, yeah. I, I'm good for this year. I would not 
probably be going after hard after Dart or anything like that. I think Brennan is a quality, quality uh, transfer portal quarterback. Like if he was in just a transfer portal guy that we knew of from another school, he was being ranked before he returned to LSU. He was the top five quarterback in the portal, like from all accounts. And that includes a bunch of guys that are from uh, major schools as well. So I'm good with, with these three this year. I will say next year, while I think Nussmeyer is a, can be a starting caliber player, Walker Howard can be a starting quality player next year. And this is going way too far forward. I shouldn't even be talking about this, but next year I'm still open to a transfer portal. I think there's very few years where I'm not looking for a transfer portal quarterback, probably just because of how many I feel like can be out there at once. Like a Caleb Williams, there's going to be a top five quarterback in the country in the portal every single year. And if LSU reaches the point where they are comfortable at every single position, quarterback is the one that can win you a championship bar none. Like that's the one that can change the trajectory of your season significantly. And I think that they're going to recruit at a level to where receiver's not a concern, running backs, fine line, Offensive line will always be, you know, um, a strong a strong point with Brian Kelly and and this offensive um, and Brad Davis. The quarterback position is the one that can change things, and that's where I just don't think moving forward after this year, because I I still think this year is is Brennan's year. I think he's really good. I'm I'm sold on that. It's all it's about everything else this year, but moving forward, when everything else starts to get a little bit more shored up, then it becomes about the quarterback position. Because we know how valuable that can be. If not, then you turn into Texas A and M. So, yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I think too. I'm I'm right with you. It's way too far to think, but you're right about what the conversation will be next year. And I think the conversation will certainly be that if Brennan stays healthy and goes wire to wire as the quarterback, because I think that kind of almost what LSU fans are feeling right now, and maybe the coaching staff doesn't feel that. But I know for college coaches, and this may be for anyone in any industry, unknowns are some of the scariest thing, and it's, I think the transfer portal kind of dangles that carrot for you at all time of, you know, we used to be, that, that was just how teams worked. You had a starter and some guy sat for a couple seasons and then he made his first start as a third year guy. Well, when you get into these guys and say, like, us next year, if he hasn't started yet, you're like, well, he's really good in high school. He's been ready for two years. He just hadn't started, but we're going to turn the page and we're going to hand the reins to him. Or do we go get this guy that we've seen play for a year or two now and we know what we're getting and, I think there's just a little bit of that with Brennan right now. It's only three games where he started, but he's been around long enough. He's old, old enough. And in those three games, he threw the ball a ton. So you kind of know what his arm is and, and kind of know how yeah. he reads the defense and, and how he operates. And obviously now that's two years removed from that by the time he gets back out there. The worry for me is just staying healthy. If Miles stays healthy, I think they're going to be just fine. They've got tons of talent at receiver. They can run the football. We'll see how the offensive line looks. I should say they have good running backs. We'll see if they can actually run the football. But good offensive line. We'll see where this goes. But I'm I'm with you. For this year, I'm perfectly okay and comfortable with Brennan. And, and maybe even more so just knowing it's not like this roster's a quarterback away from, like, exactly. Joe Burrow level. You know what I mean? It's like they've got a lot more to worry about than Miles Brennan, in my opinion. So exactly. like Miles Brennan's like the 15th thing I'm worried about or not really, but you get what I'm saying. So yeah, I, I think especially being at this year and this transition and this coaching change, I almost think Brennan stabilizes things more for you than just going and grabbing some random transfer portal or starting a younger guy would have. Yeah. We're, we're going to need your list of your, your top 50 worries uh, <laughs> leaving February. <laughs> 
I only said 15. If we're acting like Britain would be the 15th, then yes. I'm raising it up. I'm, I have more than 15 worries, I'm sure. Don't worry. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, that's all I got. Uh, that's all uh, we got for y'all uh, this week. We appreciate y'all listening. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, feel free to leave a like, comment, subscribe, send it to a friend. And if you're listening on any other platform, feel free to leave us a review. Um, Share it on social media and all that good stuff. So uh, we will continue to have y'all updated on go247.com with the latest. Shay is um, all over the um, all transfer portals talk, the recruiting talk. Sunny is in there as well, Sunny Ship. So we will see how it continues to unfold for this team. And yeah, we'll get, hit y'all with another podcast next week. So thanks for joining us and we'll talk to y'all later. Chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.